is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Eli Manning hands off to Saquon Barkley, and there he goes. First carry as a professional, 39 yards into the Hall of Fame and into the first round of fantasy drafts. Oh, what a start to the preseason. Welcome, everybody. I could have done a Nick Vanette intro, but I just thought Saquon Barkley was more fantasy relevant. Adam Azer, Dave Richard, Heath Cummings. Once again, Jamie Eisenberg out. He'll be back on Monday. We got a special guest, Chris Harris, coming on. Not the cornerback, the fantasy analyst. Chris Harris coming on later in the show to talk IDP, three receiver league, PPR. It was fun. It was awesome. Uh, but that's coming up about a half hour. Dave and Heath. How'd you enjoy Thursday night? It's fun, huh? Uh, it's always great to have football back, even if it is lousy preseason football. I agree. I, I enjoyed it, and there was more actionable thing. There were more actionable things than I expected. Yeah, like, I don't want to sit here and start going crazy and overreacting, but we got, we got some talking points, that's for sure, and we'll see where it goes. Heath, the biggest preseason winner so far is who? Well, I would say it's all of fantasy football because Andrew Luck is back. He took a shot. He threw passes. He got back up after he got hit. I, I don't know what else we could ask for. I went ahead and ranked him like he's Andrew Luck once again. Which is where? Number three at quarterback. Ooh. Don't you want to so see you him? are now officially the high man on Andrew Luck. Well, yeah, that's pretty. Don't, don't you want to see Andrew Luck throw the ball downfield, though, because he didn't do that. He just kind of... Kind of dinked and dunked and intermediate routed it. They, they said that they got to work on the downfield stuff. Right now, he's more comfortable with the intermediate throws. You know, I think it was maybe two podcasts ago we were talking about how I left Tom Brady at two because there was nobody I wanted to rank number two. When I went back and started, like I didn't project Andrew Luck to be what he was the year he was the number one quarterback in fantasy, but I got him back up to a five percent touchdown rate, back up to seven point four yards per attempt, and he landed at number three in the projections. All right. By the way, you can hear Heath. Uh, Heath's working from home today, um, so apologize if there's any audio issues. But Heath working from home. Uh, Dave, biggest preseason winner so far is anybody that takes on the Miami Dolphins this year. Their their defense did not get off to a very good start. The Bucks scored on three of their first four drives. All of those four drives went for at least thirty yards. And yeah, I, I think Tampa Bay's offense will be pretty good. I don't think it'll be amazing. But I do think the Dolphins have a lot of issues all over the place on defense. And, uh, yeah, week one, they're taking on Tennessee. Thought the Titans offense looked good against Green Bay, at least the starters. They could be in for, they could be in for a rocking good time at Hard Rock Stadium week one. I feel like I'm questioning my Tyrod Taylor thoughts right now. Based on two preseason drives against what was Arguably the worst defense in football last year and should be better this year, but I don't think it's going to be good in the Giants. But Tyrod Taylor looks really good. We know he's got the best weapons he's ever had. He, and that was without Josh Gordon playing, but he made a really good throw to Jarvis Landry. He made a really good throw, a really good catch on uh, Janoris Jenkins. He made a great uh, read to David Njoku, uh, who caught two touchdowns yesterday. I, Brown's offense. Let's call them a winner. And not even talking about Baker Mayfield, but Brown's offense, guys, a winner yesterday. Absolutely. I, no, I like, agree. With, 
without a doubt, Tyrod Taylor looked comfortable in that offense. He has a good offensive coordinator in Todd Haley. He has good weapons. I think there's a chance he's a borderline starter for as long as he gets to be the starter. And as good as Baker Mayfield was, that team looked like it might even be competitive. They can stay in that wild card race. We might not see Baker Mayfield for some time. It's just hard to believe that the Cleveland Browns would be in a wild card race or even, dare I say it, gasp the AFC North division race. No, now that might be a no. big overreaction, <laughs> but, but you know, you're right. Tyrod Taylor looked comfortable. He made a great throw to Jarvis Landry. He had another great throw to Rashard Higgins. And then of course the touchdown to David Njoku. I, I think that was all, that was more Tyrod than it was Njoku. He's at the helm of a, of a very interesting offense. I, I'm not ready to say that the play calling was great last night because there are a lot of other questionable things that they did. But th- this is an offense with a lot of talent, a good offensive line, a mobile quarterback. Y- you think about how nice he looked on Thursday. Just imagine what would happen if he had Josh Gordon yeah. or Des Bryant or Josh Gordon and Des Bryant. Holy moly. Tyrod Taylor could end up being, he's, he's one of, he's one of two quarterbacks from Thursday that I'm feeling a lot better about. Who is the other? Andy Dalton. Oh, okay. I, I, I liked, I like the direction the Bengals are going on offense. I can get into that a little later. So Tyrod Taylor, 18th for Heath, 27th for Dave, 24th for Jamie. In 2015 and 16, he was the number, right around number 16 quarterback in fantasy. He did not play 16 games. He played like 15 or I think 14 or 15 in both those seasons. Um, good, but never great. Maybe potential for more this year. And, and I think Dave, you know, we did the tight end preview yesterday and you called David Njoku a bust. Whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't call him a bust. Oh, no? I called him a beast. Oh. <laughs> you didn't hear that. You must have missed Oh, my bad. No, 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 no. I'm just kidding around. Uh, we can get into Njoku now or later if yeah, you want. Yeah, let's go for it right now. Two touchdowns. The first touchdown, look, he's got great straight line speed for a guy his size. That I think we all knew. But I still think that ball placement, the fact that he was lined up against Alec Ogletree, that, that's why that touchdown happened. I was more impressed with the second touchdown. He was double covered. Baker Mayfield threw it high in the red zone. He leaped up. He caught it. He came down with it. That's the type of play that I would expect to see from a breakout tight end. I, actually, both plays, I, you got to hand it to them. They're both the type of plays you'd want to see from a breakout tight end. I watched other snaps of his, and I, I feel like his route running isn't refined yet. I know he'll drop the ball every now and again. Not saying you shouldn't draft him because the guy that I loved as a as a sleeper got hurt. That would be George Kittle. Uh Njoku is definitely worth drafting. I just wonder how many games he'll have. We talked about this with Kyle Rudolph on Thursday. How many games will Njoku have with more than 70 yards receiving this year? Well, but that, there aren't that many tight ends that are going to do that. No, you know, it's there whether, aren't. It's and there aren't a lot of score. tight ends that can score week in and week out. And I don't know if Njoku's going to do he that can't, either. Nobody can score week in and week out. But the question is, can Njoku, you know, be a top 10 tight end? I mean, let's – Cameron Bray was top 10 tight end last year. So, you know, Heath, Heath you have Njoku uh, 10th. And Dave, you have him 12th. And Jamie's the low guy at 17. So, Heath, you're the high guy in everyone today. Andy Dalton – or uh, not Dalton. Tyrod right. Taylor. Yeah, but there was another guy I was looking at. Well, Andrew Luck. Luck, yeah, okay, right. Luck, Taylor, and David Njoku. So, uh, tenth for you for, for Njoku. Well, and I, I, one of the things we said during the tight end preview, I said there were, there were nine tight ends that I felt comfortable starting on a week to week basis. And there's a chance that Njoku could break into that group. And I'm not gonna, 
say that he's there yet, but he certainly has as much upside other than the injury guys like Jordan Reed and Tyler Eifert as anybody outside of the top nine. Okay. So uh, you have Najoku one spot ahead of Hayden Hurst. It hurt. It hurt to do that, and I left Hurst ahead of him in PPR because I do think Hurst will get more targets. Okay. Uh, we got some big news, and we'll get back to the games. We got some emails to read. Big show today, actually. Should be fun. Darius Geis has a sprained MCL, Heath, and he could miss some time. And what's your read now on the Redskins running backs? I still think he's the guy, even missing some important camp time for a rookie running back, once he's 100%. I think the most likely outcome is he is fine for week one. But there has to be a little bit of a downgrade here. It's not as severe as Sony Michelle because Rex Burkhead's not there to just carry the load while they make sure he's ready. Um, but I dropped Geis in my rankings. And listen, there was another rookie running back. I thought you were going to ask about my biggest loser that I was going to talk about. I actually dropped him below Ronald Jones, who, despite not getting hurt, had a pretty disastrous first preseason game. Oh, yeah. So why is Ronald Jones of Tampa Bay a loser for you? It was – it was – Really about as bad. Like, he had one good run for a touchdown. He had eight carries for nine yards. He got one target, and he dropped it. And that also kind of leaves out the fact that all of that work came after the starters were gone, because Peyton Barber was the running back running with the ones. So how much should we make of that? Because Rob Kelly actually got the first two carries for the Redskins, and then Geis got the next, like, four. Yeah, as you mentioned, Peyton Barber started for Tampa Bay. How much should we make of that? He's a rookie, you know, it's week one, it's preseason week one, maybe they just didn't want to give him that role just yet. Chris Carson got the start over Rashad Penny, so, you know, what, what do you think? I, I think that's probably the case, that they just didn't want to do that yet. I don't know that his performance in this game, averaging one yard per carry and dropping his only target, is going to change that fact. Dave, do you think Geis or Ronald Jones can be counted on as number two running backs right now? Yes, I think they both will be able to. Um, I'm starting to get a little nervous about Ronald Jones because of the whole Peyton Barber issue, and I thought Barber actually played pretty well. I, I The reason why these rookies aren't starting is so they're motivated to play well, and then they start. The only one that won't do that is Saquon because he was taken so early in the NFL draft. Right. And if, if Jones is going to average under four yards per carry, much less under two yards per carry, yeah, Peyton Barber is going to keep that job. And my visions of Ronald Jones running away with this backfield will quickly dissipate. That would also, though, if that continues during the preseason, it'll also lower his value in ADP. And maybe you're talking about getting him in round seven, and he's the rookie running back that you end up being patient with, and, and you draft him to be your number three or your number four guy. I look at Geis a little bit differently. The sprained MCL could almost be a blessing in disguise. We're not going to see him anymore. I, I would assume not anymore this preseason. But if you see the run where he got hurt, it's a 34-yard gainer. He makes a great cut, runs hard, has speed, is physical. He just gets tackled awkwardly or he planted his foot awkwardly, and that might have sprained the MCL. I wouldn't get too scared off from Geis' injury because I think now the Redskins know, all right, this guy, he, he's powerful when he runs. He'll get you that extra yard when he falls forward, and he's also capable of ca- making those bigger runs those 20-plus-yard explosive runs, they need that badly in their backfield. I I'm, I don't know I don't know how I feel about taking him in round four at this moment in time, but I know if I see Darius Geis' name in round five, I'm all over it. I was all prepared to talk about Marlon Mack as a winner, 
because I know his yards per carry wasn't great, but I thought Marlon Mack looked pretty good. He was good in the passing game. He was clearly the number one guy. There is a chance that he, you know, based on the snaps, based on what happened in the game, that Robert Turbin is their short yardage guy. But I thought Mack looked good, but he left with a with a hamstring injury. I saw it happen, and I tweeted it out, and I just getting nervous about Marlon Mack not being strong enough to play uh, as a, as that bell cow back, that fifteen plus touchback that the Colts were talking him up as. Hmm. So what does that mean for you on draft day with Mac? I've already got him plenty low in my rankings. I'm not that excited to take him. Okay. Heath, how about you? Where are you now? We do we have to wait to I, see the severity of the injury? Yeah, I thought it was a mixed bag. I agree with you that he looked good. I love the fact that the first play was a pass to him that went for 17 yards. But the injury pretty much makes that a moot point until we know how serious it is. So I still think he's a borderline number two running back. But I can't feel better right now, like even about Geist, than I do about Mac. I thought it was interesting that Turbin got, you know, kind of the the second team work, even though he's suspended for four games. We've talked about Indianapolis running backs a lot. We've never talked about Turbin, really, rarely. He's out the first four weeks, so I don't think anybody's drafting him. Uh, so no clarity there. We'll wait and see that update. And, and George Kittle, that was the sleeper that, uh, Dave, so Dave's sleeper gets, uh, gets hurt. And Dave's bus scores two touchdowns. Uh, so bummer Sounds on, about right. bummer on George Kittle. Yeah, it sounds like there's no structural damage. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, does he miss a couple of weeks? Does he miss the rest of the preseason? Who knows? The 49ers are just going to have to keep us updated. Any interest in Garrett Selleck? Only nope. if if Kittle's out for the year. Uh, Matt Breida's going to miss time with a shoulder injury. That can't be a bad thing for Jarek McKinnon, but we got a report that, uh, you know, I don't know, speculation from an ESPN writer, Dan Graziano, that Heath McKinnon, he doesn't expect McKinnon to be a bell cow running back. I don't think that should be a surprise to anyone. I kind of viewed this like a Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman situation. Devontae Freeman would be a lot better if Tevin Coleman missed time. So that may be the situation we're looking at here. Des Bryant could be interested in Cleveland, although they look pretty good at wide receiver right now. Callaway with a brilliant uh, preseason debut. And Carson Wentz is, as we mentioned several times on our quarterback preview, probably going to be held out of all preseason games. And neither he nor Nick Foles played yesterday. So I have, let's say, a couple things before we get to Chris Harris and our IDP draft. I got some some fun emails and some more preseason recap. Uh, but first, I got to talk to you about SeatGeek. All right, if you're going to a baseball game, football game, a concert this summer or this fall, SeatGeek has you covered. Smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Maybe you're searching for a last-minute deal. Maybe you're planning a night out. Maybe you need to find a great gift for someone. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, and it's all fully guaranteed. We love sports. We love fantasy. There's nothing like being in person for a game, for a big game. I mean, I just love it, and that's why I use the SeatGeek app all the time. It saves me time, and it saves me money. I don't have to search multiple sites anymore. SeatGeek does all that work for me, pulls in the results, shows me this is the best value, this is the best bang for the buck. I'm going to go to a Giants game this year. I'm going to go. I'm going to use SeatGeek. I've been to like four Yankees games this year. I've used SeatGeek for all of them. Concerts, all different types of sporting events, always on the SeatGeek app. We're going to save you money on your first purchase. Use the code FFT. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FFT for 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Again, it's FFT for 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. Preseason talk or emails? 
I'll let Heath decide. Preseason talk. Preseason talk. Let's do it. Mick Vanette, tight end for the Seattle Seahawks. And Ed Dixon was out. Doug Baldwin was out. But Vanette was very involved on the Russell Wilson's, in Russell Wilson's time. And, uh, Vanette caught a touchdown. Two for 20 and a touchdown on three targets. What are we thinking here? Is he going to be fantasy relevant? I don't think so. I think it's Ed Dixon's job as long as he's healthy. I wouldn't be surprised if Vanette has the job, but I think he's going to be very much a touchdown or bust type of tight end and probably the one who will score about five times. So if you're so clairvoyant that you could pick out the five times over the course of the season where Vanette will score, go ahead and put him on your team. So Chris Carson, should we be drafting him ahead of Rashad Penny? <laughs> I, I, I think everybody <laughs> wants to. But everybody also knows that the investment that the Seahawks made in Penny, combined with the fact that Carson, for, for as exciting as he is to watch, he's never had sustained success in the NFL. I, I, I think you hesitate, and I think it almost makes sense to say, eventually Penny will get this job. Okay. In the meantime, Carson's going to take this job. And by the way, this is a Seattle run game where they've got some nice, powerful running backs, but the offensive line still leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, so I'm going to ask you both to rank four running backs. Penny, Geis, Ronald Jones, Chris Carson. Penny, Geis, Jones, Carson, Heath. I will go, as of right now, Jones, Penny, Geis, Carson. I'm going to go Jones, Geis, Penny, Carson. Okay. That's Colts and Seahawks. Anything else from that game? Eric Ebron didn't do much. And there was speculation after the game. I actually had a conversation on Twitter with a beat reporter from the Colts. He thinks they're hiding him. He thinks that they're just purposely not trying to lean too much on him. Mm. He was blocking in the game. That was a surprise. Interesting. We we got two more games of Eric Ebron playing. I don't think he'll play in the fourth preseason game. Let's see if they keep hiding him or if they actually let him loose. All right, Giants and Browns, Cleveland 20, Giants 10. Saquon Barkley, his first run was 39 yards. It was very impressive. Uh, Jarvis Landry made that good catch. Uh, you know, I think, uh, the storyline maybe that won't get covered here is Nick Chubb had a terrible game. Carlos Hyde got the first carry, but Nick Chubb, 15 carries for 11 yards. Heath, does, does this matter to you? I thought, like, it doesn't really because of when he was in the game. The thing that was interesting to me was Hyde got the first three carries and then never saw the field again. That doesn't seem to me like what would happen if this was some sort of competition. Right. Right, yeah, I thought the same way. So we got to uh, we got to stop talking about this game and all others because we, 19 minutes into the show, just got uh, breaking news that Darius Geis reportedly tore his ACL. Ugh. We're hearing it from the Washington Post and NFL Network. I'm. That sucks. I mean, I yeah. I don't have a personal investment in this. I don't have Geis on any of my teams. I think I only have two teams as of right now. But that sucks. I mean, that is really disappointing and. Oh man. Um fantasy impact uh, Dave for the Redskins running backs now. Rob Kelly lost some weight, so I'm sure they're hoping that he ends up being I guess the next man up and and as effective as he was early on last season. I believe early on he was okay. I can't remember off the top of my head. Kind of wrote him off as soon as they drafted Darius Geis. I'm uh I I would suspect that Washington will be in the market for another running back pretty quickly here. Uh, I don't think P. Ryan's the answer. 
I think Kelly is the answer if you're, if you're playing DFS next week in the preseason. This, this is not good for Washington all the way around. Chris Thompson said he wasn't feeling 100%. There's no chance they're going to use him more. Uh, fluid situation, TBD. Yeah, I, I'm going to assume for the time being and project skinny Rob Kelly as the, uh, as a starting running back for the Washington Redskins. This, this is going to be a committee approach. I would say that both he and P. Ryan will get some work on early downs. Chris Thompson will be the passing downs guy. I'm not sure what's out there. Like there was some talk that they may be looking to try to deal P. Ryan. I don't know what they would get for him. Um, I, I think you have to really uh, bump Rob Kelly way up in the rankings. Yeah, I'm, uh, Rob Kelly or, or into the rankings. Yeah, would you take Rob Kelly or would you take a, a Colts running back? A uh, Colts running back, Mac. Mac. Okay. Well, pen, yeah, penny the injury. I, I'm, penny I'm the not injury. ready. I'm not ready to invest heavy in Kelly because I think Washington's going to make another move here. Yeah, I don't know who who. I'm trying to think of who is available or who that they might be able to get. DeMarco, guy, you ready to come out of retirement? Yeah, I don't know if that's going to be the right answer either. First of all, I think they can probably wait until cutdown day to find somebody that's that's dropped. But maybe yeah, New Orleans and New England, off the top of my head, two teams that love to trade and two teams that have some nice depth at running back. There's a chance that maybe they go in that direction. Kansas City's got some depth at running back, and Alex Smith might have some intel on, on those guys. Um, I'm, I'm doing a quick scan of everybody's depth charts around the NFL. Don't worry about it. We'll react to it when the news happens. Let's talk more about, uh, preseason because, you know, no use in speculating. They might, they might have a guy in Byron Marshall that they could give. But are any of them going to be better than Rob Kelly? I mean, I feel like Kelly's set up to be a starter. For now he is, but if he, if he can't hold his end of the bargain, they're going to move on to somebody else. Capri Bibbs is on their roster. Okay. Rob Kelly has done some things in the NFL. Let's not, let's not go Capri yeah, right. Bibbs on him. <laughs> Rob Kelly had 12 rushing touchdowns in 2016. He had a bad year last year. Um, he's, he's a thing now. We're, I'm doing a draft with Jamie tomorrow in, a, in the Flex League and I know he's going to get drafted, Rob Kelly, and, and P. Ryan might, might get drafted as well. Uh, so we'll see. Alright guys, so listen, we're running out of time a little bit before Chris comes on the show to talk IDP. So let's go through the rest of preseason football here uh, from Thursday night. Uh, I'll just give uh, my thoughts, sorry, to speed things along. I don't think I'm going to miss anything too big. If I do, you let me know. Joe Mixon and Christian McCaffrey, arrow pointing up for both of them, I- I'd say, especially McCaffrey in my opinion. C.J. Anderson was was not really in the picture at the beginning of the game. McCaffrey got a short yardage touchdown run, a two-yard touchdown run, I believe. Um, I thought he was great. Mixon had that gorgeous touchdown catch. Thoughts, Heath? I agree 100%. I'm going to bump McCaffrey up just a little bit. I already bumped Mixon up a little bit. The only other thing from that Carolina game, I think DJ Moore may already be the best receiver on the Panthers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he did it late in the game, right? I mean, but, but boy, you he saw his quickness. He had a little involvement early. On that one move he made, DJ Moore, you saw his quickness. They compare him to Steve Smith, and, and you saw why on that play. Didn't really know if there was much from the Jacksonville-New Orleans game, but Dave, what'd you think of the slim down Leonard Fournette? I, I didn't think he was as effective as I remember him being. He didn't seem as fast as I remember him being, but he's certainly still going to get the workload all over the place and catch passes in that offense. So I'm, I'm not worried about him making a muted first impression. I think DJ Chark is someone that we're still going to have to keep eyes on, but it looks like it's a crowded receiving court. That's a team that might have one too many receivers 
maybe they make a trade at the at the cut down day to get somebody else in there. And then on the other side of the ball for New Orleans, I thought the Saints kept running the ball real well. Uh, Jonathan Williams had a touchdown. Mark Ingram had a touchdown. Kamara played a little bit at the very beginning. This is a team that I think is is starting to find their groove already as a as a proud running squad. Taysom Hill too. I mean, I don't know if he's relevant for the first four games. Washington's interested. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Tampa Bay and Miami. Uh, no Frank Gore. Very little. Uh, Kenyon Drake. Kalen Balaj actually looked pretty good. Maybe if there are some injuries, he could become relevant. We hope not, but maybe. Um, forget that game. Pittsburgh 31, Philadelphia 14. Not much here except uh, Jay Ajayi had the first two, Clement the second two, Jay Ajayi the next two, and then Ajayi was out. And, uh, hey, Juju Smith-Schuster, Heath, 71-yard touchdown. Yeah, that's what Juju Smith-Schuster does. Uh, any concerns that Dallas Goddard could affect Tyler Eif- uh, Zach, Tyler Eifert, Zach Ertz negatively? Not really. Not yet. All right. Um, Joe Flacco threw seven pass attempts in Baltimore's 33-7 win over the Rams. Three of them went to Michael Crabtree, uh, and two of them to Buck Allen. The first one was to Hayden Hurst. These are just uh, the attempts, not the completions. I don't think there was much from this game. Lamar Jackson's touchdown run was awesome. There was an IDP note from that game. The broadcasters mentioned Baltimore's uh, Matt Judon, who had eight sacks last year. They think he could have a big breakout year entering his third season. Keep an eye on Matt Judon. J-U-D-O-N. He had two tackles in the game. Yeah, and he forced two fumbles last year, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything from Green Bay, Tennessee? Yeah, Jamal Williams had every snap at running back for the Packers. There was no Aaron Jones in the game. Ty Montgomery did not get in there. Not even on third downs. And Williams caught a touchdown. He pulled the Joe Mixon. Caught a short pass from his quarterback. It was Brett Hundley, not Aaron Rodgers. Made a defender miss. Dove into the end zone for a touchdown. It's, it's funny how these young second year players are, are getting these opportunities and showing off their skills. And, and I think the Packers are, are really getting into Williams and the fact that he's a physical type of running back. James Lofton was calling the game. James works for CBS, but he was calling this game. Uh, for the Wisconsin audience, and he was just raving about what he's seen from Williams, and he thinks that Williams is going to be a big-time player. His ADP is pretty low. People are still afraid to take him. I, I really like the idea of getting Jamal Williams maybe round six, getting Aaron Jones later on. I'm not worried about Ty Montgomery. I think his role is set as third-down guy uh, and certainly not goal-line guy. I think that that'll suit Williams better. I like that combo, especially with Aaron Rodgers healthy, expected to play 16 games. Not a bad idea to have a Packers running back on your squad. And uh, Heath, you had Michael Gallup with a 30-yard touchdown catch and the aforementioned DJ Moore. Who do you have ranked ahead, Gallup or Moore at this point? You know, I just updated that today. I did move Gallup up in my rankings a little bit. Not much of a change yet for Moore, so I need to check that. Um, I think... Maybe, and I'm going to write about the friendship strategy. Alan Hearns and Michael Gallup might be the best combination for the friendship strategy. Oh. I thought, I thought Gallup was great. And the touchdown was, it was an interesting play. Uh, Dak threw a bomb. Gallup sped for it. Either he sped for it or the defensive back slowed down. I think it was on the defensive back. I think it was Jimmy Ward who was covering him. I'm sorry if that's not what, right. But Gallup catches it, scores, easy play. Gallup would have had another big play, maybe even a long touchdown, if Cooper Rush had thrown a better ball on his second target. He also had an end zone target. And just the, the route that he was assigned on the play was to go to the back corner, hit the, 
before they set the ball, Gallup was alone. The Niners weren't even covering him. It would have been the easiest touchdown in the history of preseason football. A defender eventually came over, and then the ball flew over Gallup's head. I think he's earned himself more playing time with the starters. It would not surprise me. If, if you're drafting this weekend, put Michael Gallup on your late-round list. His ADP is going to go up. And if you're not drafting this weekend, but you want to be drafting this weekend, why don't you get yourself the draft app and play some best ball on the draft app. Actually, Heath posted a 12-person uh, draft on the draft app yesterday, and I went to join it, and within like 30 seconds it was filled up. How was that draft, Heath? It was awesome. I'm going to try to do those on a on a pretty regular basis, probably two or three of them next week, and I'll uh I'll just send out the invites and get in as quick as you can. Yeah, follow him. He's CBS Heath. I am Big Kane too on the draft app. Best ball is awesome. No waiver wire. You don't have to worry about injuries. You don't have to worry about roster management throughout your year. You draft a team, and that's it. Your highest scoring players are automatically put in your lineup, and at the end of the year, you see who has the most points. You can also enter the best ball championship for a chance at a one to, to be in a one million dollar best ball tournament. Enter the best ball championship, draft the best team, and you could win a piece of a million dollars in prizes. The other offer that we have for you: if you go on the draft app and you sign up and use the code FFT when you make your first deposit, you can get a free entry into a best ball draft. So you have to use the code FFT. So download draft, make your first deposit, use the code FFT. Search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com and come play free with the promo code FFT on the Draft app, which is friggin' awesome. Dave? Yo. Thank you for your service. We'll let you go. Thank you very much, guys. Look forward to talking about Friday and Saturday's preseason games with everybody on Monday. Yeah, Dave is being summoned to the HQ set to talk about Darius Geis. We will lose one analyst. We will gain another as we bring in Chris Harris. So, Heath, a couple days ago, you and I uh, took part in a 12-team PPR, three-receiver, IDP, individual defensive player draft. How did you do? How, how did, what kind of grade did you get when you got the, the email from CBS Sports and they gave you a grade? Do you remember what you got? I know it wasn't as good as your grade. I believe it was somewhere in the B or C range, but I was oh, no Adam Azer in that draft. No, you're not putting that one on the fridge, but I got an A-plus, baby. Maybe my first one ever. A-plus. And you know who else was in that? Chris Harris of HarrisFootball.com. Uh, are you impressed with my A-plus, Chris, or, or am I the only one? The best part about it is you texted me like right away. <laughs> <laughs> I got an A plus. I got an A plus in that draft. I was like, I love you, Adam. <laughs> yeah, well, most people don't say that, but yeah, no, I was excited. I, you know, I'm pretty excited about the team. I don't have Darius Geis. Um, but I'm also excited to have Chris on. We have him on, uh, to talk IDP every year now. And first of all, Chris, tell everybody how they can follow you, how they can find your advice. Yeah, uh, HarrisFootball.com is is where everything is. I just started, so I have the, I have the podcast, the competing podcast. We are blood rivals, oh, obviously. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, even you know, even though we're not, and um, <laughs> so that you know, I have a podcast uh, every weekday, and I started a YouTube channel, which is original content. So it's uh, not a simulcast of the podcast. It's me breaking down film, actually showing you film on what I see on players, which you can find uh, YouTube.com/slash/HarrisFootball. Yeah, very good stuff, and you've got. An almanac that you publish, just yeah. great podcast, great resource, and we're happy to have you on. So, Thanks. so this is an interesting draft. It's got a lot yeah. of nuance. One, it's twelve teams. Two, it's IDP, but it's like it's so many defensive players. It's two defensive linemen, three linebackers, three defensive backs, and then one defensive flex. 
It's also three receivers. It's also PPR. And there's an offensive flex. So all said and done, there's 10 bench spots. There's 28 rounds. It's a pretty deep league. So that gives us a lot of angles, Chris, to talk about of how you draft this, uh, how you go about approaching a deep IDP league. How do you go about approaching uh, a deep IDP league? I almost, so I've done this in the third year. I think I've been in this league and I've never been the first one to take a defensive player. I believe the gentleman who we're speaking to may have been the first one to take a defensive player. I'm not sure I'm right about that actually. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, you did. Did you take JJ Watt? Heath? I think Wagner. I did take JJ right? Watt. He was not the first defensive player. Pretty oh. sure Luke Keekley was and I didn't get him. Oh, but Wagner, I thought. Maybe, maybe Keekley went before Wagner. You got Wagner also. You're right. You're right. Gary Davenport from Roto World got Keekley, but you took Wagner wow. and and Watt in sit round seven and eight. And I guess my point being, I, that's usually earlier than I go for even, even in a scarce league like this. I think the earliest I would go is like round 10 or round 11. But this is such a non-traditional IDP league in that there is actual scarcity. I mean, that's the problem with your typical IDP league, right? You're, if, if everybody's starting three defensive players and there's no scarcity, it's like drafting a quarterback. You might as well just wait till the end because there's just not that much difference among, in, in a week to week basis among the defensive, the linebackers. They're all going to get eight tackles. Like that's sort of the way it is. Uh, but this is cool because you, you really, there are, you can zig when everybody else is zagging. You can go early as early apparently as around six or you can go later like me. And, uh, I've, so I'm I'm going to still be the one who tends to wait. I still don't find it to be to be enough difference among the stars and the and the middle guys, especially at linebacker. But uh, I I wouldn't look down my nose at the people who go earlier on defensive players. Yeah. So Heath, you went early on defensive players, and what did you take? Round seven and round eight. You took uh, Bobby Wagner and J.J. Watt. I'm sorry, I did not notice that Keekley went off the board before that in round six. Uh, so yeah, you, you did pull the trigger a little bit earlier to two guys in round seven and eight. How come? Well, and I think, like, I kind of agree. In fact, I totally agree with what Chris said in the more scarce leagues. There's just no chance that I'm going to do this. This one is a little bit deeper. Now, I've, I've got a couple of IDP leagues that are deeper than this where you have to start corners and defensive tackles and stuff like that. But I do think there will be a pretty big advantage to having the consistent tackles out of your linebackers. And J.J. Watt is a terrible player to decide what you're going to do with in an IDP draft this year because I'm pretty sure three years ago when Chris Harris, and I think that was my first one as well, J.J. Watt might have been like a third-round pick. And J.J. <laughs> Watt might have also been the highest-scoring player in that league regardless of position. Yeah. So he's, a, he's an injury risk. But I don't think he has a ton less upside than he had that year. So I was actually wondering, guys, if it made more sense to take an IDP earlier when you're not starting that many individual defensive players because they have more of an impact on your team. I mean, in this league, there are so many players being started that one defensive player probably doesn't make that much of a difference. But if I were playing in a, in a shallower league... With only three IDPs, let's say it wasn't three receivers, I, th- I thought maybe having an elite defensive player would have more of an impact on my team and it would make sense to reach a little bit earlier. But Chris, it doesn't sound like you see things that way. No, it's sort of the same argument why we wait on quarterback. Even though the the defensive players like, for example, Watt might have... Uh, a high raw point total, but relative to the other really good performers and maybe even not as good performers at the position, 
you're not getting that you're not getting marginal advantage by owning the superstar, which is the exact reason why we don't draft quarterbacks early in a league where they're not scarce. Because fine, Aaron Rodgers is going to score more points than Matthew Stafford, but not so many more points that I shouldn't just wait for Stafford in the tenth round as opposed to taking Rodgers in third. And and really what it becomes is about scarcity. The problem that we've all understood in this league over the course of our lives in this league is when someone goes out or you have a buy or somebody's out for the year, the replacement level players available in a league like this for among IDP players are horrendous. Yeah. Whereas in a league where you only have certain two or three or four defensive players, there are still going to be stars on the waiver wire. And they're all the same too. You know, like you go to the waiver wire and you're looking at guys and you'll find some, you probably find some gems throughout the year, but they're they're pretty similar. So yeah, I I I focus more on my offensive players. I mean that that's just it also also if one of your running backs is out for the year and you're looking at the waiver wire in a twenty eight round league, <laughs> like even though there are, you know, we're starting what uh, eight, uh 10, 10, I 10 IDP, right? But the bottom line is the waiver wire sucks. <laughs> the waiver wire sucks. So I made sure that I had running back depth. I focus more on running back depth rather than IDP because I know throughout the year when there are bye weeks and there are injuries, I can't just go to the waiver wire and pick up a running back. Like everybody's owned. It's just a deep league. Um, so it's all about your league depth. I mean, that's very important no matter what. Three receiver league, and I apologize for bungling that explanation. I got thrown off. Uh, three receiver league, Keith. I didn't see much of a difference in the way we drafted. By the way, the results are available on the website for this draft, our IDP draft. Um, I didn't seem like receivers get pushed up that much. Did you? No, I thought they fell, in fact. I had the 10th pick in this draft, and I started with DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas. Yeah. And I'm just going to do that every single time. And maybe it won't work out. Maybe, especially in a league like this, where I do think it's important to have running backs to win in fantasy football. Your two starting running backs, when you can start the four receivers and you have the 10 defensive players, your two running backs aren't going to make as big of an impact in this league as they are in a normal league. Yeah. But in a normal three-receiver league, Heath, I, I would typically recommend people ex- expecting receivers to go earlier. Like, you're going to look at the results of this draft. I don't think it's very typical. You know, I was surprised at the receiver value in this draft. I was I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, they usually go a little bit earlier. Chris, do you prioritize receivers more in three-receiver leagues? Um, I'll say maybe, I mean, this is a league of, this is such a sharp league. This is, this is like 12 sharks, basically. It's, and Uh, so when everybody's going. 11 in me, 11 in. 11 in you. You got the A plus. I think I got the A plus. Yeah, 11 you and A plus. Well, maybe that's why you got the A plus. Well, just give them the A plus. Yeah. Um, like when I see the number of running backs go that they went, I believe the first nine picks, eight of them were running backs. Uh, I kind of, this is in a PPR league, in a league where you're starting three receivers. I kind of go, yeah, I think the sharp thing here was still to take the elite running backs. But Heath has a point. There comes a point where they're no longer elite. And now you're taking Melvin Gordon and and Kareem Hunt, who I don't necessarily think are – I think they're first-round picks in most formats and probably here too. But I think I'd have taken a receiver over those two guys too. So maybe it reached a point where, fine, those first six, seven picks – can be running backs or running backs and Antonio Brown, but yeah, I'm sort of with Heath. I, I'm just sort of was surprised he didn't take Beckham over Hopkins, but that's another story. Oh, go ahead, Heath. Beckham over Hopkins, not for you. Well, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think. Uh, I think Chris is the one that needs to explain why he's surprised I took Beckham over Hopkins. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Hopkins over Beckham is the normal thing. Yeah, I'm just go back to a couple years ago and when DeAndre Hopkins was a sure thing, and I go, hmm. yeah. 
every time I've seen Odell Beckham play, I'm pretty sure he's been awesome. And every time I've seen DeAndre Hopkins, sometimes he's, I, I mean, I have him, I have Hopkins four. I just would say I would take Beckham over Hopkins every time. I was, I, I, that was a little bit where a moment where I went, hmm, interesting. Yeah, I, I feel good about Hopkins as long as they don't sign Brock Osweiler to be the backup. <laughs> or Brandon, <laughs> Brandon Whedon plays, or maybe they could trade for Brian Hoyer, yeah. <laughs> so, I actually, when you look at the results, right, it's, it's Gurley, Johnson, Bell, Zeke, and then I took Antonio Brown with the fifth pick. I was prepared to take Ezekiel Elliott, um, yeah, th- and I didn't, I'm glad I didn't have to, Take David Johnson who went second. Where, cause I, I still have some concerns just about the offense. They lost their center. Their offense is going to stink. Um, where, where are you on David Johnson, Chris? I'll ask you that first. Oh, I'm fine with him. I think in the end, we don't know. It, it, I think you just take the really elite talent and you just assume it sort of, it works out. I've seen enough great players on bad teams. LaShawn McCoy last year do what great players are supposed to do. And I actually, I know that Scott Fish, who took, uh, David Johnson, number two, he actually said in the room, I'm passing up on Le'Veon Bell because I own him in too, mother, too many other leagues. Uh, so I think his his sense was to take Bell also. And I was picking third, so I benefited because I, I wanted Bell. I would take Bell one overall. Oh, yeah, you got lucky. Um, <laughs> so uh, Zeke four, and then I took Antonio Brown. Then it was Barkley, Kamara, Hunt, Gordon, and then Hopkins. And the running backs after that were Cook and Fournette and Freeman. And I think what's interesting, Heath, you know, maybe why all these running backs went ahead of Hopkins is I I would guess that everybody thinks that Gurley, Johnson, Bell, Kamara, Hunt, Gordon, and Barkley are going to catch 50 or more passes. Not necessarily Zeke, but he makes up for it in other ways. He could, could score 50 touchdowns. Um, then after that, that's a joke, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, I think maybe that's where people see a downgrade in pass catching ability for these, for these running backs. What, do you think maybe, is that a read on it? That, an accurate read on it? I, I think that everybody is just thirsty for running backs. I, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that is the main, the main thing here and I am just, I mean, it's typical me. I, I am just now taking the receivers because everybody else is taking. So who are your running backs? backs? But, who are your running backs? Uh, I've got seven of them, I believe. Uh, I've got Rex Burkhead. I have Marlon Mack. I have Gio Bernard. I have C.J. Anderson. I have Austin Eckler, and I have Buck Allen. That's rough. It's <laughs> not a good running back core, but I I don't know how much it's really going to matter. And this is going to sound like extremely. I don't even know the right word for it, but I've got DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, Zach Ertz, Drew Brees, and Robbie Anderson. I I don't know. I don't have to get good production out of my running backs. Oh yeah, sounds like sounds like 2017. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, but I think no, it, it does. I mean, this is exactly what everybody last year was saying: go zero RB, go zero RB. Right, it didn't right. work out. So now people are are zigging too hard the other way. I told. I think the the best thing you can take away from what Heath is saying is just, especially if you're picking ten, don't feel slave to a strategy. Look at what the first nine picks do, and you can make it work. And Heath made it work. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think Burkhead and Mac, you've got a really good opportunity there. Uh, hope, hoping that Mac is back, uh, quickly. Uh, I hope we don't get any ACL news on him before this episode ends, like we did with Dice. Um, alright, so to wrap up, in case anybody was specifically looking for more IDP talk, to wrap it up, Chris, who are the top few IDP guys, the first ones who should come off the board? 
you know, if they're defensive tackles, it's, it's Watt, it's Bosa, it's Chandler Jones, it's Calais Campbell. That's kind of the usual suspects, I would say. And, and again, I'm not sure that in a lot of standard ADP leagues, I want those guys because you typically have to pay for them more than, you know, you, than I think you maybe should. At linebacker, I think it's Dion Jones. I actually like Alec Ogletree. I took, he was the first defensive player I took in this draft, I think in round 10 or so, uh, with the Giants now. I just feel like finally there's a middle linebacker with the Giants who can tackle. Uh, CJ Mosley is probably in that group. And, uh, for defensive backs, you're, you're thinking safeties. You're not thinking corners. So you're Landon Collins's and you're Keanu Neal's. And I think I took both Rashad Jones and Harrison Smith in that league when I started to pay for, for, uh, uh, defensive players just because I feel like, again, there's just a ton of tackles for the Dolphins and Vikings respectively. I drafted Roquan Smith. I have high hopes for him if he can, you know, get get going with the Bears. Uh, any other rookies? I saw Derwin James was was uh, drafted. Any rookies, Chris, that you think could have a big impact this year? Did I just name the two? Yeah, those are the ones that I had in mind when you when you I could tell you were about to ask that question. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Roquan Smith's not even signed yet, right, so right. so there's that. But I assume at some point, doesn't sanity have to prevail? I assume Bears fans listening. I assume. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I hope so. I certainly hope so. Um, yeah. All right, so I think that more or less wraps up that draft. Uh, it was a three receiver IDP PPR league, so what that did was really pushed quarterbacks down quite a bit. Rodgers went in round five. I I took Watson in round seven at that point. You know how Dave likes to say you have to feel like you're stealing? It's like, okay, I got to take Sean Watson at this point. Russell Wilson went with the next pick. Where did Brady go? Brady went, uh, oh, two picks before to Sean Watson. So, all right. And, yeah, to me, to, to me in, in oh, the seventh too. round. And it's 100% Dave is right. It's 100% because I felt like it was stealing. It, You know, you do these expert drafts and – Everybody knows to wait on quarterback and they wait and they wait and they wait so long that it just becomes ridiculous. And you go, okay, to, I, I, mean, I took Matt Ryan as my backup. I just go, okay, right. if you guys are going to do this game, then fine. I'll take, I don't even remember when I got him. Uh, like it's beyond round 15. I'm 19, still looking. Round 19. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, and this is a league where you really kind of do need to have two quarterbacks because it doesn't wind up being anything on the waiver wire. Exactly. But, uh, it was a little exaggerated, the waiting on quarterbacks. So, let's finish off with some emails from our listeners. Fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Uh, this is from Josh. I have the third pick. I'm deciding between David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know the format, Chris, but who would you take? Johnson or Ezekiel Elliott? I'm actually fine either way. I have them ranked where I have Johnson third and Zeke fourth, and it's entirely because of what you said before, Adam. It's about the receptions, but I, if somebody just said, nah, I, I get bad vibes off the Cardinals and... I don't know why you'd get better vibes off the Cowboys, but I, yeah, I would be okay if you said Zeke, but I have DJ. Heath? Yeah, I'm going to go with Zeke, and I, I think there's a chance that he catches more passes this year than he has in the past. Michael Gallup had a good, good game last night, but their talented wide receiver and tight end is pretty suspect. From Brandon. Brandon says, uh, 12 teams standard, non-PPR. I'm starting to like Ezekiel Elliott number one overall more and more. Is that a good idea? I mean, again, I don't think if, if you tell me you have any of those four guys, number one, 
I'm fine with it actually. It's, if yep. you have, if you, you have a feeling, I don't think there's that much of a difference among them. I like Le'Veon Bell the best because I kind of think he's the least schemable. He's, I call him the jazz runner. I don't think he knows what he's going to do half the time. He's, it's just tough to defend a guy like that. But Zeke is an amazing player. They're all four amazing players. Yeah. And, and Zeke has more touchdown potential, I'd say, than Bell. Bell's not really been a big touchdown guy. Uh, but I, I think that Heath and I, correct me if I'm wrong, Heath, Heath and I would not say David Johnson should be in consideration for the number one pick. Right, Heath? Right? I, I think you can make an argument for David Johnson for the number one pick. It's not difficult to do. You just look at what he did when he was healthy. But I don't feel comfortable doing, taking him over the, th- the three of the other running backs just because I don't, and maybe you should just forget about his floor, but I'm not even sure his ceilings is high. Uh, let's go to our next email. It's from Dave. Dear Bobby, Alan, Dion, and Jordan. Hmm. Don't know who that is. We'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to look it up. It's a, it's a game. Our, our do you think play. he was writing into it? Was he writing no. into a different podcast? No, no. Our wrong? listeners play this game where they give us. Uh, oh, I see. They give us names, and we have to figure out who they are. I have absolutely no idea. Same, same again. Bobby, Alan, Dion, and Jordan. Yeah, no clue. Uh, <laughs> Dion is spelled D-E-O-N for what it's worth. I don't know any Dion spelled that way. Maybe it was just a typo. Uh 12-team standard league. I have the second overall pick. Gurley's going number one. I want to take Saquon Barkley over Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson or Antonio Brown. How big of a Penn State homer am I being? And now I'm starting to think Bobby Allen, Dion, and Jordan might be Penn State alums or something. But, Chris, how big of a Penn State homer would you have to be to take Saquon Barkley over... Uh, over anybody other than Todd Gurley. Yeah, I think you'd have to be a pretty big homer. Not that I don't love Saquon Barkley, I do, but I've seen those other dudes do it multiple seasons and stuff can happen. I don't know. I, I think you just, you just create potential problems for yourself. Fantasy's supposed to be fun, so in the end, if it's just gonna be more fun for you, right, root for him, that's fine, but I don't think it's the right strategy. Like, these are Penn State legends. Are you serious? Like, we're supposed to know that, Dave. That is too obscure. Too obscure. I uh, no. Who's the Dion? Dion Sanders. I don't know. No, not he went to Sanders. I know it's. No, I, I know he. Believe me, I know he went to Florida State. Um, this is for uh, Dion Butler. These are the. These are. Uh, who cares? Dion Butler is the answer to that question. Uh, this is from Michael. Half PPR. When setting pre-draft auction values, I know you'd obviously bump up receivers in half PPR and running backs that catch passes. Would you take dollars away from quarterbacks or players that don't get many receptions in half PPR? So I'll just say that my general philosophy tends to be not to go in with prescribed dollar figures because every option, every auction is different and you could do the exact same option auction. Jeez, I can't say the word with uh, the same 12 people on consecutive days and have players go for wildly different amounts. So I understand the impulse to want those guidelines, but I really, I almost think they become prisons, not less, less than guidelines. But if I'm dead set that I, darn it, I have to, then no, if I've done the increase on the receivers, there's no need to do corresponding decreases on the other players. Yeah, if I took dollars away from quarterbacks in PPR, then I'd have like six quarterbacks that had an auction value because my experience has always been that you get to the end of the draft and four teams don't have a quarterback and guys just start going for a buck or two. Um, I, I'm glad you mentioned that, Chris, because as a host slash producer slash guy who pro- improperly reads emails, 
Um, I have a lot of trouble doing auction episodes because they are always so different. And, you know, we, yeah. that's why I try to give more general advice about them, like you save some money. Or, uh, I like to always have a stud, at least one stud, hopefully two. I don't want a team full of mid round picks, but yeah, they're just so, so different. And that's why I think it's easier to, to do like what round would you take a guy in rather than how much would you bid on him? It's just, they all, they're like, they're just, they all so unique. We literally just did an auction like with Jim McCormick on my show for about a half an hour on Thursday. Literally just did the same thing. Like talked about general guidelines, but I know people thirst for such specifics to, to use as guidelines. And that's what's beautiful about auctions is that they're really, you know, you sort of have to be pretty zen when you're in them. Yeah. All right. Lou from Bucks County in PPR, since the big three tight ends equate to top 12 wide receiver production. And I'll say, Lou, I don't necessarily agree with that necessarily. I don't know about all three, but two of them were last year, yeah. Why not take Gronkowski in round two and either Kelsey or Ertz in round three? One can be a flex. Chris, what do you think about taking two tight ends? We answered this a couple weeks ago, but I actually right. think it's a pretty interesting philosophy. What do you think? I think it would be great if you could fast forward me to December and tell me for sure that they reach that level of production, then it would work out fine. But the fact is every year people have tried to make Gronk a first round pick, he's gotten hurt. Or every year they've tried to make Jimmy Graham a first round pick, he's not been. Or, you know, and then second round as well. The fact is there's not absolute certainty on these players and the number one tight end often in the past, these past couple of years, Gronk has been fine, but don't always perform as the number one tight end. And it comes down to, again, the the opportunity cost of not taking Gronk just isn't as high as the opportunity cost of not taking a player at a scarcer position. Fine, I can't lock in a 1,010 touchdowns, but I can pretty well cobble together 606. And that difference just is not, that difference is nearly not as big as what I would have to do to cobble together a running back or wide receiver. Something we talked about yesterday on our tight ends preview. Here's an email from Tom from North Carolina. He wants to know some late-round tight ends that you guys like to target. Heath, uh, I'll let you kick it off. Well, I think after last night, we've got to say David Njoku, but he may not be a late-round tight end much longer if he has another game like that. Um, you know that I like Hayden Hurst, so we've got to say him. I still, last night's lack of involvement doesn't scare me away from Eric Ebron either. All right. Chris, any late-round tight ends that you like to target? Last night's lack of involvement doesn't scare me away from Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron scares me away. From Eric Ebron. Uh, you know, I would have, I would have told you George Kittle, and now I can't tell you George Kittle anymore. I actually, he was one of my discoveries on film this past uh, summer when I was writing the Almanac. I loved what I saw, and it's unfortunate. I'm hoping maybe we get, you know, it's a separated shoulder, but maybe they said no damage. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, if I go late round, I'm just gonna pick someone from among. Najoku was already my number 11. Trey Burton is my 12. Doyle is my 13 because I think, again, I'm not a big Ebron fan. I'll take O.J. Howard over Cameron Braid, but they're sort of both in the mix. But the one who stands out to me who, if everything were to go right, it's Tyler Eifert because if he were to stay healthy, I mean, I've got a five top five tight end talent-wise and sort of usage-wise. And then if it doesn't work out, well, I don't have to worry about it because I'll just cobble it together. Email from Eric in Boston. In a three-wide receiver, non-PPR league, I'm going to give you four options. Would you rather start your team? Three receivers, non-PPR. DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams. uh, Dalvin Cook and Devontae Adams. DeAndre Hopkins and Gronk. Cook and Gronk. 
So I'll give it again. Hopkins and Adams, Cook and Adams, Hopkins and Gronk, Cook and Gronk. Heath, what's your favorite of those four? Sounds like I'm starting wide receiver, wide receiver again. <laughs> Hopkins and Adams, all right. And this is a three-receiver league. How about you, Chris? I Adams is going to be my pick over Gronk. Um, I'm going to say Cook, but but I don't hate it. I don't hate Hopkins either. I just have I have Hopkins as my wide receiver four, and in a standard league, I have Cook as the last running back before I get to the the second, third, and four receivers. But it's so close, so I don't adamantly say this, but I guess I go Cook Adams. How do you rank Kareem Hunt, Melvin Gordon, Dalvin Cook? Uh, I have Melvin Gordon and then Cook and then uh, getting hit by a bus and then Kareem Hunt. Not really. I like Kareem Hunt fine. He's just not quite to that level for wow. me. Oh. I I think he's good, but um, interesting. Yeah, and and listen, you, I think Cook Cook is probably a more spectacular player than Gordon. And if Cook didn't have questions about health coming into the year with the surgery, and I knew for sure what he looked like, I, I'd want him over Gordon. What uh, what do you have against uh, Kareem Hunt? <laughs> Not I was that was just the that was the uh, obligatory deadspin reference. Um, you know I think he's good. I don't I don't think I think the thing that he does really well is as uh, is, is a balanced runner. Like he doesn't go down at first contact. He's sort of a surprisingly powerful guy even though he's not all that powerful but he just sort of stays on his feet and I love that but I'm not sure I see anything else on film that I think is like super special and I think that got borne out as the season went along that the big games the giant production that Patriot game sort of got further in arrears we started to see what he really was you could argue that he you know he was hurt or he's wearing down as a rookie and maybe he'll have a great full season but he's a top 20 overall player for me no question about it but I I might be a little bit lower on him than the market. All right, Chris, we're going to let you go and have yourself a great weekend. Tell us one more time how we can hear you, how we can read your stuff and, and whatnot. Yeah, uh, HarrisFootball.com is where everything is. There's that almanac that you mentioned. It's like a 200-page PDF where I give everybody film grades and also just tell like stand-up jokes about everybody. There's mm-hmm. a lot of... A lot of nonsense and humor in there as well. Uh, you guys know Brett Coleman who does the film room on YouTube? I don't. Yeah, he's awesome and he has, he has whatever. He's hundreds of thousands of people follow him on, on uh, YouTube. And so I just launched a YouTube channel and he and I are on Monday starting to launch a series on how to watch film, basically teach a person to fish kind of thing where this is what we're looking for, how you can tell that the dude's production isn't fake or it is fake. Uh, all the positions and stuff. It's like a, like a 15 episode sort of YouTube thing that people can be on the lookout for. Oh, Brett Coleman. I yeah, thought but- you said Ned. Cole, I know him. He's got a, he's, he's got 200,000 followers, of course. No, that's no, cool. We'll be looking out for you there, Chris. Um, thank you awesome. so much for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks. I looking forward to this league and, uh, I'm, I'm shocked that you didn't take me to task for my receivers that I picked because I wound up with Doug Baldwin and Josh Gordon on the same team. Oh, that's, that's pretty safe. It's playing it safe. Good stuff. Just like Heath's running best. And Heath, I got to thank you too. I didn't forget about you, buddy. Well, I, I I just want to thank Chris. Me too. So, yeah. <laughs> and I, we will both try harder to get an A-plus like you. Good luck, boys. <laughs> uh, I look forward to uh, checking out your teams in the rearview mirror. And everybody, have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday on Fantasy Football Today. <laughs>